0: All right, everybody, welcome back to the best hour of their day podcast. Jason Fernandez here with what I consider, I've actually been looking forward to this um, uh, to this interview because I don't think this is something that is talked about a lot. I'm here with Jeremy Augusta. Jeremy Augusta runs uh, and is the founder of Barbell Jobs. And if you haven't seen that, it is essentially just a kind of a headhunting um, platform, uh, I guess, like, I guess on, this, on the regular side of the house would be like ZipRecruiter, kind of like where you can submit a job. Yeah,
1: it's a, uh, it's a dedicated job board for people like you and me.
0: Yeah, so for fitness professionals. Um, mm-hmm. And the reason I wanted to bring Jeremy on the show is because I think that this topic and the idea of a resume is not something that's on a lot of people's minds. Um, in the CrossFit community, but before we get into that, just give you a brief intro here, Jeremy. So Jeremy, prior army owns uh, Burton County Strength Club as well as well as American Strength Club, and uh, did uh, four years in the army, six years in the Coast Guard, and then yep. now is just doing fitness like the rest of us, man.
1: Yeah, just lifting heavy shit and <laughs> hustling to make a dollar.
0: Um, cool. So I mean, let's just dive right in. So how did how did barbell jobs come about. Actually, first tell everybody what it is.
1: All right, well, barbelljobs.com is a job board for uh macro gyms, for CrossFit affiliates and the fitness industry in general. Uh 90% of all the job postings we have about 340 right now are uh, all CrossFit gyms. Okay. And then,
0: so how did this come about? Like, how does one decide like, Hey, I'm just going to make a job board because uh, that's pretty outside the box. Like most people are like, I'm going to do programming. I'm going to do supplements. And you're like, no, I'm going to create a job board.
1: Well, I was, uh, I opened my first location and it was doing really well. And so I thought like a lot of people think in that point that, well, I need to open a second one. That's how I make more money. So I started to. Uh, I had everything in place to open a second facility in another in a uh, another city. I had funding for the equipment. I had the location. What I didn't have was someone to run it. Because at this time, you know, I was coaching eight nine classes a day, so I obviously couldn't go run it. But That's no a problem, lot, dude. That's a lot of classes. It is a lot of classes. That was a lot of hustle back then. Um. So I couldn't run it, and I figured it probably wouldn't be too hard to find someone to give a job to. Couldn't find no members who would want to do it because I was in the mind frame of you create coaches for members back then, which now I know is not the correct way to do things. But so I started posting in the affiliate owners group and CrossFit competition groups, anything I could find, trying to find – Coaches didn't find a damn one, and I started getting pissed off thinking, Well, how am I going to open this facility if there's no centralized way to find a coach? And being the entrepreneur I am, I realized if I'm having this issue, everyone else has to be having this issue as well. Now, in this time, are you
0: getting interviews with just candidates that you don't like, or you're just not getting anything? Like, nobody, I'm getting uh, nobody, okay.
1: okay, nothing. Not as I had one guy from like Colorado messaged me and he wanted me to pay for his move and all that. I'm like, no, it's like, hi, I would like your job. Uh, please send me $8,000 to move there. (laughs) (laughs) Okay.
0: And then, so when did you got, when did you actually start barbell jobs? When did that start?
1: Uh, it started just over two years ago. I looked for, probably six months trying to find a coach and I started thinking about there's gotta be a better way. Someone's gotta be doing this somewhere. And it just didn't happen. It wasn't a thing. So I decided that I would make it myself, created barbell jobs and uh, which I have no experience with programming on computers or anything of that. So that was a good, uh, a good opportunity to self learn some things. Yep. And I just rolled with it. I put it out there, and I started uh, marketing it, messaging. Every time I saw someone post, hey, I'm looking for a coach, I'd get a hold and say, listen, I can help you with this. I know your life sucks trying to figure this out. I've done the work. I can do the work. And it's grown from there.
0: Do you know, do you know roughly how many uh, coaches you've
1: placed since you started? Um, I don't have information on the coaches I've placed because – To get that information, I rely on the gym owner to come back and voluntarily give the information. Got it. Which to have them go back, log in a system, fill out a survey just isn't happening. But I do know that uh, I have a 60% rate of people who have posted jobs to become returning customers for when they need to post more jobs.
0: That's cool. So it sounds like you might you need to get a little bit more in the metric so you can see like what's the length of employment with those mm-hmm. employers and all that stuff. But yeah, I, I can imagine being a gym owner myself at some point. You're just like, I'm not doing that. Like I don't have yeah. time for that.
1: Um, yeah. Okay. Eventually, I'll figure out a better way for that. Yeah. But right now, I just got to rely on the gym owner to to decide. I've got time. I should go back and fill out the survey. Cool. So you brought up something
0: that was interesting, and this is really kind of this could we could go for a while on this so you said something that was very contrary to what probably everybody on that we've had on the show has said which i'm totally open to and don't even necessarily disagree with you on which is the internal vest versus external hire and Mm -hmm. the vast majority of the crossfit community we're romantic about our own stuff right like you know almost to a fault where you know like oh we just want to take the from inside and the members and the longer I do this, I, I do think there is the opportunity to do both, but I think people are so resistant to taking people externally. And I don't know that that's necessarily a good thing.
1: Well, the issue is, uh, so say you've been working out with someone for three, four years doing squats next to them, doing friend next to them. You know this person intimately. He's your buddy. You drink at his house. So now all of a sudden he's a coach. Is he going to command the same kind of respect from you than someone that is a professional coach who is brought in based on their qualifications? It's not going to happen. It's, uh, I mean, sometimes it can, but it's really not the case anymore, especially for people who, if you have a hobby gym, and you just uh, you're working your ass off and you just need someone to cover a couple classes that's one thing but if you're a professional gym owner if this is your livelihood if you uh want to have professional coaches you're not going to get them from the people who are already doing that or the people who are already in your gym and most of those people have jobs anyway now on barbell jobs we have well over a thousand profiles of professional coaches people who their only job, the only thing they want to do with their life is coach, not open a gym and be your competition, not uh, work part-time. Well, there, there's a lot of those. But these are people who this is, what, this is their livelihood. This is their profession. And so for someone who does that, you know, to be comparable to someone who works out three, four times a week, an hour a day with their buddies and then drinks after, it, it's not the same thing.
0: No, I've, I've, I agree with you and I couldn't agree with you more. The, I've always told people that the best gyms have coaches who that's all they do mm-hmm. now. And, and again, whether, whether they get paid to do that or not, like there's a ton of different scenarios out there and most of which I disagree with because there's a lot of really good unpaid coaches out there. Yeah. Uh, that's a separate conversation, but I agree. If you're going to have the best coaches, if you're going to have the best service, and forget coaching, right? Best customer service, best business. Like you have to have people there who it is their job to show up at whatever time that is at seven in the morning and work until 7 p.m. at night. And I just don't know there's a way to kind of break through and have a thriving business without that.
1: Yeah, I mean, if you're building something that's going to last long after you, you, you got to have people who hone their craft, not people who want to discount on their membership. You know, there's, there's a big difference in the quality that you get.
0: Yeah. It also, it also can present in in my experience, some leadership hurdles that you're going to have to navigate. So, you know, luckily I was kind of force fed leadership as, as, as I'm sure you were in the military, but even sometimes then you're going to come up against some scenarios that you're not probably equipped for, which is like my best friend now works for me. And that's going to create some problems. You know, like I, we had Doug Zakaris Chris Spieler on the show. Uh, that show was on yesterday. This will probably air in a week or so. But they're probably one of the, the anomalies where they've been friends for 11 years. Yeah. And Doug works for Chris. But that's not the norm. I've seen a lot of relationships, both, you know, um, significant others and friendships broken up by employment scenarios
1: well even going back to the military to give a really good example when i was in the coast guard i was a e4 we had our e4 mafia we ran around we had all these, our drinking buddies one of the guys made e5 and all of a sudden he thinks he's big shit, and he's you know telling us what to do and everyone's like just looking at him laughing at him when he tried to give us orders because listen we remember seeing you naked on a bar dancing you're not telling me to do shit.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that allegedly happened. Everybody guys in the army don't do that. Um, no. <laughs> no, that,
1: that was yeah, That's one of those things
0: like, yeah, that definitely has to be that def- if, if you're going to do that, it has to be approached very carefully. And there has to, And the, one of the biggest mistakes that I see is because it's a casual relationship, the agreement is very casual as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so what I want to talk about a little bit is, so you've seen a ton of applications come through, um, but what are some of the pros that you've seen from people that are hiring externally? So I, so literally I was on a phone call yesterday, I had an affiliate, um, a guy who's actually a head coach and an affiliate who is thinking about buying the affiliate out, but he was calling me, asking me about, he was, he was super afraid of doing an external hire. And my answer was like, "Hey, hire him, dude. And if you don't like him, fire
1: him. It's so much easier to get rid of somebody that's not your friend." Yeah, I mean, you can't fire your, you know, your drinking buddy or the guy that you barbecue with, or I mean, that's so much because then you're going to screw up your friendship too.
0: Yeah. Um, So, is do you see people starting to open up more to that? Like, I'm just not in that world of of seeing what other affiliates owner and who's hiring where. I mean, I'm a little bit, but you probably see what way more of it than I do.
1: Well, you know, to give you an example, I have received, I'm looking at my phone real quick. Yep. 82 applications today for a position that I'm helping a affiliate owner fill for one position, one position. Damn. That's a lot. That is a lot. And 50% of these at least, uh, who are applying for these positions have not uh followed the instructions on the job posting so they're not even uh getting considered they're not getting a message back they're being deleted okay so which leads me to my next thing so
0: if you talk to any of my staff i am notorious for kind of hounding them about the fact that a resume is still a thing absolutely so <laughs> this goes into what you just talked about what is it what are employers looking for? And then the second question to that is people who are applying jobs, what should they be doing when they apply for jobs?
1: All right. So obviously resumes important, but when you're sitting here like I am, who's looking through over 80, uh, um, applications, resumes tend to bleed together, especially in our industry because the big certifications are always the CrossFit ones. Yeah what really stands out well one you need to have a well presented resume but the difference maker that is really going to determine if you get a job or not or at least the interview is your cover letter the cover letter is the most important factor because that's the first thing that they see it's either going to be generic and they're going to discard it or you're going to look at it and see that this person has been to the gym website they have looked at what the core values of that gym are They've explained how they fit into this community and can be an asset to this community. And then those are the people who get the jobs. Cause that shows that people aren't just clicking apply. It shows that they're seeing something, taking interest, going to the website, doing their homework before they uh, put in the application.
0: Which for a lot of people you would think would be a no brainer, but you would think you would think, but it's not like, I can't, over the years, I've had t- tons of people come to me and say, I want to coach. And I'm like, okay, well, w- like, what's your schedule like? And they're like, well, you know, I work. And then, and it gets it down to the point where like, they can't really coach. It's just like, it's a good thought, but you haven't put any thought into actually what this entails, what it is that we're looking for. So when I have, when I have, when I get on the phone with people, the first thing I tell them, and I'm pretty candid about it is like this has to be valuable for me and I need you to understand that and I don't think a lot of coaches approach it from that standpoint of like how can I be valuable to you so you're
1: absolutely right I've done uh, quite a few articles on this and blog posts um you're not uh, the the owner isn't hiring a person they're either hiring an asset or a liability correct so they need to hire someone who is going to elevate the, the facility as a whole, and they've got to have certain skills. Um, one, they have to know how to sell. Whether they sell or not, you're constantly selling no matter what you do in life, and that's a skill that you have to have if you want to do. If you want to be a coach and you want to make real money and do personal training to make to make that money, you have to sell yourself on the personal tra- to the people for the personal training. You have to sell the facility to the people that you know. You have to sell the way you coach to people. So everything is about sales. And if someone has those has those skills, they're coming on as an asset. They're going to be important. They're going to have a great career. They're going to progress throughout the industry, reach great heights. If they don't have certain skills, they just want to coach and nothing else, they're a liability. And nobody needs a liability.
0: Yeah. And I think that's the other thing that people miss is that like they just want people want to make, you know, whatever money and we can talk about salaries in a minute, but they want to make 40 grand to coach 20 classes a month. And, and I'm like, uh, yeah, that's not a thing. Like that that is just not a thing at all. Like you're going to have to do a lot of other things. And I think people forget how much. So for instance, I have a friend who owns a traditional kind of uh, gym where like primarily what they do is is personal training mm. and she owns this thing and she does anywhere between 10 to 12 personal training sessions a day wow yeah she hustles though like she's, wow. a, she's a stud but that's what she told me she's like people want to come in and they think personal training is great but they don't want to work they're not going to get up at 4 30 and they're not going to book 10 clients in one day and so they don't last it's hard That's,
1: that's, that's really impressive.
0: Yeah, no, she's an outlier, but I think even if you were to do like, uh, just a slightly milder version of that, which is like, Hey, if you want to work and earn a living, you're going to have to work to earn a living. Yeah. You know, and I, I think people just misunderstand like what the coaching life is like. And I, and, and you can tell me what you think, but I think people misunderstand it because they're in the gym for two hours a day. And, they, mm-hmm. and they're and they like, Oh, this is amazing. I could do this. I'm like, yeah, but you, I was here for 15 hours today. You did. This is all you saw of the 15 yeah. hours that I did. Um, so what, what in your, in your experience, like on average, what are people hiring full-time coaches for?
1: You mean, uh, the reason or the payments? Uh, payment. Yeah. Um, that is a very loaded question because the, I recently, and I've got an article on barbelljobs.com. Um, I've broken pay down based off the uh, different regions of the country and metro areas. Okay. Uh, there's a huge difference from, um, you know, the, like Kansas City, which I'm near, to, yeah. you know, 20 miles out of it. Okay. So that's, uh, it's kind of hard to say what they're hiring for. Okay. Um, Average pay for a uh, career CrossFit coach is, give me a second, pull it up on my phone. I can tell you.
0: Yeah, go ahead. I'm just curious because, you know, I'm always thinking about hiring and doing stuff like that. And there's a million different ways to do that. But it also depends on from a business standpoint, like what can you afford?
1: Well, let's use you for an example. Uh, Where are you located? Virginia Beach. Okay. Give me mean, one second to pull this up and I'll give you the information for your area. No, we can get specific. Sorry, it's taking me a second. No, you're good. Here we are. uh $18 per class coached for the uh your general area okay. not your city or your state but in that part of the country
0: okay and then what does that what part of the country does that entail
1: uh, that's uh like mid atlantic yeah
0: okay um so 18 bucks an hour but that's just that's actually coaching hours right yes and then so yeah, then. that
1: doesn't count admin work, personal yeah. training. Okay. You All know, right. th- th- this is based off of, um, what the, uh, jobs are posted on barbell jobs. Got it. And their okay. coaches are paying. All right. So second question
0: with regard to that is like, what are outside of the cover letter, like just not having a cover letter or not, or just kind of not doing any homework. What are some of the biggest mistakes people make with regard to resumes?
1: Um, non-important information being on there. So like, I saw one today. Someone's applying for a uh, ownership position that we have where someone is selling their gym and 90% of their resume was about the fast food work they did when they were a kid. It's not pertinent information. If it doesn't relate directly to the job and how you can excel at it, it shouldn't be on the resume. Got it. You know, and like for people like me and you who are in the military, um, we don't need to put on that we were FEMA certified or whatever, <laughs> you know.
0: I had to take like a class on that So to, for somebody to basically teach me how to decipher things that I did in the military to yep. rephrase them so that they were relevant to jobs that I would potentially apply for.
1: I do that with the veterans all the time for free. So like if I see someone uh, post a profile – I look at every profile I got post that gets posted. So I can keep someone in mind. And whenever I say that they check that they were a veteran, I look over their profile and if it looks like crap, I just call them and say, listen, this is what we got to do for you. Got it. No hey. one cares. I took you eight years to get your first good conduct.
0: <laughs> no, and if you've been around you know that's not that good anyway. <laughs> no, but you had fun though getting there. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Yeah. You had a good time. The, um, the other thing that I that I'm curious about is like, do gym owners reach out to you to potentially get advice about what they should be hiring for?
1: Um, not real often. Uh, a lot of gym owners are uh, their posts are simply for they need to have extra coaches. But as this progresses and more and more gym owners are learning the benefit of hiring professional coaches. I am starting to get some calls with people asking, well, these are the admin duties that go along with it. Um, what should I actually pay this person? How should I pay them? Got it. And then
0: are you're, but you're not, so for me, like, so I'm, I'm thinking about it from my standpoint. It's like, usually I have coaches, but the first thing I kind of outsourced was a little bit of coaching, but then it was a lot more admin work. Mm-hmm. so it was like social media skills and because I could coach and for a while I'm thinking about like the I'm thinking about the typical lifespan of, a, of an affiliate owner so first you do everything yep and you're generally the best coach so it's usually best for you to be on the floor at the beginning yep. so then what you probably should do is you probably should hire out for admin skills that you either can't do due to time constraints or just don't want to do like scheduling, payroll um cleaning stuff like that are people do you see more people looking for that these days or just all coaching
1: it's mostly coaching uh it's mostly uh coaching and management roles people aren't posting too much about the other roles yet which hopefully they will start to because it can be a giant benefit for them
0: yeah it's huge if you if you have multiple skill sets then you then you can almost—I wouldn't say you could write your own check—but if you can do, if you can wear a lot of hats in the gym. Again, going back to, I'm thinking about this selfishly. So, if somebody wanted a job at my gyms, mm-hmm. you need to be able to do a lot of things. Like, you need to be able to work on spreadsheets. You need to be able to get on the phone and make sales calls. You need to be able to do uh, sales consults. You need to be able to do all of that stuff. That might not be your primary role. But if I can plug you in any one of those spots when I need to on a whim, because something comes up, then you're an asset to the team.
1: Well, I'm, I'm working with some of the software uh, vendors in our space. who are creating super user uh, certifications. Okay. So like, um, to, you know, give push press a plug uh, for coaches. They're creating a super user certification for CrossFit coaches on push press. Okay. So that way, when someone like you, who you know has all these other duties that they want them to do, you can look on their resume or at their profile on Barbell Jobs and see that if your billing platform or your client management platform is PushPress, here's someone who's invested time and energy to become intimately familiar with that software program.
0: I mean, that would be a huge benefit because you know you don't want to have you don't want if somebody's good on Wattify, but maybe there you use Zen planner that can be a huge transition and could probably be a massive pain point for you.
1: Yeah. So, and that's why I I reach out to these uh, different software vendors because for exactly like you said, if you got someone coming into your facility, you don't know what they use. And you know, they may have all the experience in the world on Wattify or Zen planner, but if you use push press, you can look through and you can find someone who is intimately familiar with that software who's, you know, better through training specifically.
0: hundred percent. It would make your life easier from a, from an employer standpoint. Um, okay. And then typically how long, how long do jobs stay on the job board? Like how long if somebody puts a job and that you have applications, like, are you, are, are you filling those pretty quick? I mean, it sounds like you have no shortage of applicants.
1: No, no. Um, there's plenty of applicants and i spend a ton of money on, marketing so coaches see that the jobs are there so like if you if you were to post a job um it's going to be marketed on facebook up to 20 facebook groups twitter linkedin instagram pinterest google jobs picks it up and job alerts and on top of that if you spend uh 85 to post a job a large chunk of that's gone actually into social media marketing for your position in your local area. Got it. Okay. So they get applications pretty quick. Um, depending on where they are, uh, geographically. So the, okay. uh, go ahead. The job posting is for 30 days or, uh, three months. Okay. And most, a lot of gyms are always looking for coaches so, they may fill a position in the first week or two, but they tend to leave them up. Oh, uh, in the event that, that one doesn't work out? Well, a lot of gyms are just always looking for good coaches. So, if, if you are uh, in that first stage and you're trying to break out of it where you're doing everything, you can put a job posting up, you know, one job posting, and you're looking for five coaches, you post one, you know, one posting, you can leave it up for three months to get as many as you can. That's fair. So,
0: for somebody who, what are some things that you are like absolute must if you're like looking for a job uh, coaching at a crossfit gym when you're when you're putting this resume out? Like, what are some of the like the just real shit hot applicants that you've seen?
1: Uh, people, with content creation skills. Ooh. If you're good at creating content, you're going to be able to write your own paycheck right now.
0: I would absolutely agree with that but that's not something i would have thought of but i
1: yes yeah i mean because i mean think about it. how much do we invest in marketing our facilities across different platforms you know making our youtube videos making those cool instagram posts that get someone to click on the link in bio to go to the gym website and get someone in i mean dude, the, dude,
0: those jobs typically uh, i'm imagining those have to be worth a little bit more
1: Those are typically a uh, head coach position or a gym manager position. Got it. But if you have the skills to create content, you can be a shitty coach and still make a lot of money.
0: Well, I mean, so the way I would like to describe that is like that is a, that skill set, if you're good at is massively ROI positive. So like if you can create content and know how to do actual marketing, which is which is the skill of putting content in front of people's eyeballs not necessarily just creating content but like mm-hmm. understanding how facebook ads work and all of that stuff that has massive implications on the bottom line like you can absolutely you can just print money for a gym owner if that's a really good skill set for you well
1: you don't i've got to go a at
0: all. like you can just run social media
1: well yeah i've got a guy who uh, his degree is in marketing but he wants to work for crossfit gyms so he's getting his l1 for his secondary role to be as a coach so he can focus on what he's really good at which is marketing for the gyms
0: and i would imagine that way he's just a filler coach so he's primarily doing social media stuff and he's just backfilling something probably like 15 to 20 20 hours a month yeah which, All is, right, that's... which is a good backfill number right if you're just somebody who just kind of like plug and play 20 is a pretty sweet number because that, that means you're probably filling in some gaps that are some pain points for people.
1: Yeah. I mean, you can make the gym owner money, uh, make your career, you know, further on your career. And when a coach needs some time off, just go and coach for him. And then on this job, like how much are you
0: just the connector? Or is there some kind of back and forth in there? Like it, are there, are there negotiations happening like within barbell jobs, or do you just do the handoff and then you're done?
1: Uh, typically what happens mostly is they post the position and I'm out of the loop, but we also have a headhunting service, which, uh, the gyms I'm trying to help sell right now, uh, they took advantage of that. And so what they're, what with that is I find the people for them. Like I'm working on a, uh, I've been spending my day today working for one gym in Houston. We're doing phone interviews Friday. We've got over a hundred applications for his position, which is, you know, taking over the positions. Basically it's an entrepreneur who has too much on his plate and something's got to come off, but he loves his gym. So I'm uh, doing all the screening for this one. We've got over a hundred applications and this has only been on the website since Saturday. Okay. So for him, I'm going through all these individually, I'm doing two rounds of interviews and then I'm going to be presenting him with the five best candidates for him to interview. So instead of him spending, you know, I've worked at least eight hours today on this. He invested a little bit of money and he doesn't have to do it until the very end. At some point that's the smart thing is what you should be doing.
0: The, so is, is he just removing himself as kind of the head coach
1: or is he selling his business? So he's selling his business Okay. and the way this is really interesting. And a lot of people uh, that I've been talking to, actually everyone that I've talked to and suggested this to are going this route. Um, so we are setting people up in, in his case specifically. He, uh, He's an entrepreneur, he has too much on his plate. He's not a coach. He doesn't he coach at all. Coach. Well, he, he doesn't enjoy it. Got he it. Enjoys okay. business. Understood. And so he wants to focus on his other businesses. He's got to get something off his plate. It's this gym. Um, and he's like, well, how much do I sell it for? And we discussed that. But instead of a, a cash up front, what we're doing is there's going to be a one-year transition for whoever steps in this role. And during this transition, this person is going to be working with a business mentor, whether it's one of Chris Cooper guys or Stewart's, whoever. We'll figure it out based off of uh, uh, personalities. Okay. If they're a dick, then we're going with Stewart. If they're a <laughs> nice guy, we're going with Chris. <laughs> you laugh, but you know it's that's how it needs to work. I mean, I get
0: it. Like I, I understand. Like that's why I, that's why I laughed when you said it. <laughs>
1: So, and during this year, there's going to be certain milestones that this coach has to achieve. So two months in working with their mentor, they have to say, for example, they have to increase revenue by 5%. Once they do that, they take 10% ownership at that point. Then. You know, a month or two months later, they have another milestone that their mentor has worked with them to knock off. And then they take another 10, 20% ownership until the very end when they get 100% 100 ownership. And at that point, there will be a a payment made over the course of X amount of time, a small payment of the money to the gym owner for the sale price or to the current owner of the sale. Yeah. So So that brings up... Don't, you know, who want to be gym owners don't have 80, 200 grand, whatever it is to put up.
0: I mean, shit. Even people who want to be gym owners probably don't have, I mean, like that's, that's a lot of money.
1: So, So, and this is the way that works out well for everybody. So if we bring someone in and they keep missing their milestones, then it is putting the contract. Well, you tried, thanks for coming. You're leaving. And now... We move on to someone else. That actually brings up a good point
0: because I've had this conversation. So I've done an acquisition, and I've had people, and I've talked to a lot of people about acquisitions of other gyms. I didn't know that was something you guys did, but it does bring up a good point. And I've probably, I'm probably intimately familiar with at least twenty sales, and. The vast majority of them, I I would give you a ballpark number and you can tell me whether you agree. If it was sold for 50 K or less, it's not an actual sale of a business. In my opinion, it's a sale of assets. I just bought your equipment and I assumed your liabilities and stuff like that. So when people say they sold the business, I don't know that that's technically true. Um, and, and the other one is when you look at the number and somebody says that they, they, they just wanted to get out of the business. They were just tired. I'm like, you're that, what you just said is you're going out of business, which it is what it is. I'm not, that's not me yeah. poking, that's not me poking anybody in the in the eye. That's just me simply kind of pulling back the curtain for people who are gonna run a business that like, that is a real thing. Like you did not sell a business, you sold all of your stuff because it was going under, right? A lot of so, times, yeah. So, and, and that number is about 50K. If you sell for 50K, you just sold, you just did that. Anything higher than that, it was probably something that was profitable, but, What I thought was interesting, and I learned this from a a business mentor of mine who has nothing to do with fitness. They were just talking about acquisitions and uh, and just M&A in general. And what he taught, what he was kind of expressing to me was kind of what the process is for the acquisition. And he said, listen, he goes, from both people want to win here, but you can tee this up where both people can win. The the seller generally wants a number. Mm Mm-hmm right? So, and and he put it in terms of like, kind of like, uh, uh, like real estate. It's like the, the seller really wants a very specific number. The buyer has a little bit more wiggle room in that number, but what the buyer wants is terms. They want the terms to work out in their favor. And that's what I was trying to tell somebody recently is like, listen, first you have to agree of like, can you, you guys even get remotely close to the same number that you're, that you're both thinking, and that should be done in my opinion, by a third party who's going to do uh, a evaluation on the, on the business. But from there, then it's kind of, in my opinion, I think it's in the buyer's court because once you've kind of given the seller, the number that they want now, in my opinion, you kind of have some leverage there to create terms that are in your best interest, whether it's over five years or six years, you do percentage buyout and all that stuff. But I think people are just like, what's the number, what's the number? I'm like, well, there's a lot of wiggle room here. Like you can have maybe a little bit higher number on terms that work far better for you in the short term. I don't know if you guys have dealt with any of that, but like, do you guys recommend that or how many different ways have you seen that done?
1: Uh, well, it's been done a few different ways, but most of them are following basically the template that I just described to you.
0: Okay just a long-term buy with the stipulations that the, the owner will basically get to basically keep the business. If that buyer falls, if they
1: don't work with their, I mean, if you're working with Chris Cooper and he tells you exactly what to do, you're going to be profitable. So if this person is not being profitable, then they're not working with their mentor doing the things they're not supposed to do. And that's the person we should get out of that position anyway. Yeah. So like uh, for everyone, that's a real win because by the time you give away your or, your, or your, someone takes over your business, if you're the seller, you know that this person has a year of training with someone whose only job is to make businesses profitable and you can walk away feeling pretty good.
0: And I, I think all of this, some, somebody who's listening to this might be like, why are you guys talking about selling business when I thought this was about jobs? But I think f- if we zoom out here a little bit to kind of a 30,000 foot level, they are absolutely intertwined from... Mm-hmm because of this, right? So there's a really interesting book called built to sell. And the whole concept of that book is regardless of whether or not you want to sell your business, you should be able to sell it.
1: Yes. That's a fantastic book too. Everyone should read it.
0: Yeah. If you, if you cannot sell it, then it's, then it's not a viable business. And Mm -hmm. one of the things that makes a business sellable going back to what you do is does it have full-time employees, Mm -hmm. right? So this is kind of a give and take on both sides. From a coaching standpoint, you need to be building a resume that, that doesn't just simply state, I like CrossFit. It needs yeah. to add value to the business. It needs to be ROI positive. You need to be able to, A, educate, inter- uh, and, uh, educate, inspire, and entertain the athletes on the floor, but you also need to help bring in and clean up the back-end administrative piece and have some skill sets that would lend themselves to basically paying for your salary, right? Okay. So if, I, if you're going to pay me, whatever it is, a, uh, a base salary of 30 K, we'll call it a 2,500 bucks a month. If that's what I'm going to get paid, then from a, from an employee standpoint, it is now my job to increase revenue by $30,000 a year.
1: Yeah. Right I that. mean, yeah. So if I bring a coach on and I pay them 2,500 a month, they have to be worth more and help me generate more than $2,500 a month.
0: Yeah, they I was just given a baseline asked. level number saying, you like, hey, you should recoup that. You can't just take a slice out of. And I, and I don't know that that's what a lot of coaches understand is that from a business standpoint, you can't just walk into the business and take a slice out of the pie without making the pie bigger.
1: Yeah, and I, that's been, that has become something that I'm trying desperately hard to educate coaches on because there's so many people who are they want to be professional coaches this is what they want to do for a living they don't even want to be gym owners they just want to coach they enjoy coaching and so i'm trying to teach these people how you can do that successfully and you know enjoy your life and be comfortable yeah
0: and i, and I think that's you know a continue to build a resume whether that's you know, I tell coaches, I'm like, you should get every possible continuing education piece you get. Like, you should you should get certifications that are really outside the realm of CrossFit, whether it's, you know, the RKC, whether it's uh, CSCS, whether it's, a, a, you know, USAW, whether it's EXOS, uh, OPEX, all of that. I think everybody should be pursuing all of those in addition to you don't have your undergrad or master's or something like that, you should be pursuing those things too. Like those are the things that allow you leverage from a standpoint of like being first in line when a job, when a really good job does come up.
1: Well, they also make a difference on what you can be paid. I uh, recently did another blog post on how all of those can transfer into um, basically a base salary based off of experience and education and so every certification you have, and a lot of coaches have, are starting to adopt this now, I've been finding out in terms of how they hire. So the more certification experience you have, the more money you're gonna make. So if you're a student of your industry and those certifications show that, that's gonna be more money that you're gonna be able to bring you know, home with you to take care of your family.
0: And, and I agree, and I think this brings up a, a, a conversation that I have pretty frequently. And people are like, well, I think CrossFit is shrinking. Um, it's definitely not. Like the micro gym industry is not shrinking. It's growing.
1: Yeah, at a, uh, still at a very fast pace.
0: And I don't think people understand that because they might see the rate of CrossFit gyms in United States start to taper off a little bit. But like micro gyms in general, right? So there's mm-hmm. there are gyms that are doing other things than CrossFit that need professionals. And anybody who's been in a leadership position or who owns a business knows that there is a shortage of good help, like just straight up, you know? So if you can be good help, like you can get employed. Now you probably might have to move in some instances, but you know, like if you're good, you can get work.
1: Yes. And uh, there's a lot of people who are moving cross country for some really good jobs at some really fantastic facilities. Um, That's almost, I would say the majority of what's happening is people are hiring from outside their local area and bringing coaches in.
0: Anecdotally, do you find that those work out better? Yes.
1: Yeah. I mean, I I have nothing else to add to that. Yeah, it absolutely works out better.
0: That's super interesting. Someone's not
1: going to move a thousand miles and do a shit job for you. That's a good point. If someone's (laughs) going to pack up their family and go that far for your opportunity, they're going to do their damnedest to make the most of it.
0: That's actually a really good point.
1: I mean, if they fail at it, well, they're screwed. They're in a place that uh, they've got nothing, nobody, and they're basically an island in this area now to themselves.
0: Yeah, that's, that's, a, that's a good point. And I don't think it's something that people consider enough because everybody, I, and I get the allure of hiring within, and I'm not even saying you shouldn't do it. But I do think... So I look at it from, I'm always looking at it through my lens and trying to look at it through other people's lens. Like I'm always trying to think there should be two tracks. There should be the track for the athletes that are great members that I love, that just are passionate about it. And they want to start down the journey of coaching. And I think that path is much longer. Right. And then the other path is I need good help and I need it right now, which means Bob, who really loves CrossFit and has been here six months, is not the right guy. Right. So I need to come outside of the fold and bring people in, you know, and I think, I think some of the arguments against that, quite frankly, are just silly mm-hmm. because you know, the, the argument to that is well, well, they don't know the community and you know, they haven't been in the gym. And I'm like, listen, man, like we all know that every CrossFit gym is the same, the people are the same, different faces, different color, different heights and sizes, but a good coach will fit in in two days like they'll have figured out the lay of the land they'll know who the who the the queen bee of the members are like they're going to know all that stuff within two days and good coaches know how to do that
1: well and they're if they come in from outside they also don't come in with any bias towards any members or any kind of programming because i mean believe it or not crossfit gyms end up with clickies you know click type members you know so like every class has, has their clicks And you bring someone in from the outside and they've never been a part of any clique, which makes a bigger difference than people really think about or, you know, would consider.
0: I also think there's some, there is some significant value to just having that separation where that separation Mm -hmm. of professional versus personal, you know, and it's, you just don't have that personal kind of sticking point between, well, you were a member and now you're here and now I don't want to listen to you.
1: Well, which is, Basically the same reason why officers enlisted aren't supposed to threaten us. Yeah. You're keeping that separation. Yeah, because that can be challenging too, which
0: is, you know, it, and, it, and, I've, and I've been in situations like that as a JO where you're doing things where you're working super close quarters for long periods of time and those lines can be blurred. And from a leadership standpoint, like you have to manage that very carefully because I do want to be tight with my guys and I do want to take care of them. But at the same time, I'm the boss and I'm going to have to tell you or put you in line at some point. And we both have to acknowledge that that is the relationship and figure out how to make sure that we understand that like, this is where one relationship ends and this is where the other one
1: begins. I, uh, when I brought on my first coach, um, she, uh, was a member and I had a situation where she started coaching and some of the guys started giving her a hard time. Not because she was a female, but just because she was a member that they knew and they were trying to push her buttons and screw with her. And one of my members, a lovely guy to death, he's a great person, but I felt like he crossed the line and I ended up basically in a screaming match with this guy in the middle of a class, throwing him out, telling him to never come back for disrespecting my coach. And we ended up you know, patching everything up, apologizing on both ends. But that's, if I would have brought in another coach who he had never known that he just simply knows based off of credentials and their leadership position, that wouldn't have happened.
0: Yeah. I, yeah. I just think that there's, and, and again, everybody likes to think that CrossFit is special, but it's not. Like people do this in the regular world every day. You bring in an outside manager who comes in and does a really good job or they do a terrible job and you get rid of them. And I think the big fear from most gym owners is what if it doesn't work out to which my reply is, so what, like, what does it matter if it doesn't work out? What if it does work out? Like if you have the ability to let this person go and learn something in the process, like you're still going to win and you're probably not in any more painful of a scenario than you are right now.
1: Yeah. Worst case scenario is some of your classes got covered.
0: Yeah. Um, cool. Well, I know you're busy, man. Um, where can people find you?
1: Uh, barbelljobs.com, uh, Instagram, Barbell barbelljobs, which I post probably eight times a day, different job positions that are available, uh, which is also on the, on Facebook at barbelljobs. So that's where I always put my articles, which lead back to the website, the job postings, Um, there's a ton of posts. If you follow my social media, you're going to see jobs from all over the world all the time. Okay. And then any
0: last advice that you would have either for employers or employees with regard to fitness jobs in general?
1: Yeah. You know, a lot of employers are making the mistake, of when they put out a, uh, when they put a post for a job opening, it's almost like they, uh, are doing someone a favor by putting out jobs. What well, people don't realize, if you're trying to attract the best quality coaches, you gotta be the best quality employer and put out the best quality information. So your job posting is an application to get the best applicants to apply to you. It's not, here's my job, come uh, come fill it, you know, come work for me. It's why would they want to work for you? What are you offering that other gyms do not? Give information that someone's going to see and the best people who are you know have the highest qualifications and the best fit for you is going to see and it's going to attract them. From a selfish standpoint, what would some of those things be? Um, information about your community. Um, so if you guys... Okay, so my gym, we like to go play paintball a lot. Okay. We do that every uh, every month or so. And so that's something that you can put on there that gives you a feel of the community. So if someone is looking for a job and they see something that says $18 per class, there's another one, $18 per class, there's one, $18 per class on... The second Saturday of each month, we like to get together, have a beer, play paintball, and spend some time as a community. Well, even that little bit of information is just going to make you more attractive.
0: Do you recommend people put uh, different job incentives, whether it's um, health benefits or retirement benefits on there too? I know not most gyms probably can't afford that, but obviously if you could, I would imagine that would be. Dude,
1: that has been happening a lot more. Um, a lot of gym owners who are, who do this, not because they enjoy CrossFit, but because they know what the hell they're doing. They want to run a good business are offering incentives like that. And man, they get coaches from all over the country fighting for those.
0: I would imagine. I mean, if I was in the business of coaching, like that's probably where I'm going to want to go first.
1: I mean, there's been a few, like there's one, uh, there's a guy CrossFit, uh, Palm Beach in Jupiter, Florida. He, uh. They're always hiring coaches and not because they are needing or they have a high churn rate. They actually, like coaches never leave that place. They're just growing at that speed and they offer incentives like that. Man, there's been a lot of times where I've had to look at my wife and be like, I'm thinking about moving to Florida just to apply for this job. (laughs) Dude, you can make, dude, there are some seriously big money positions for a professional coach I have had at least six that start out right near six figures.
0: That was, that was what I was going to ask you. What was the highest paid one that you've seen so far?
1: Uh, The highest paid started out at 99,000 a year. Um, Then there's others who are right around that area. And then below the, that's like base pay, not this is your potential. It's like, you come here, this is what you're going to make. You get X retirement, you get X amount of days off, you get X amount of, uh, uh, continuing education reimbursement and those guys they, they they know what they're doing they're attracting the best coaches in the world
0: yeah I would imagine they're investing
1: that. in their staff
0: yeah and I would imagine there's a there's a real short short list for those jobs
1: there are yeah but if I mean that's the way to really grow is investing and taking care of your staff yeah because I I mean, that's
0: a, that's a whole different discussion about how you know building a building a business that has revenue to support that which I think we should all be trying to do but yeah that's for me that's always been the goal is like Mm. I want to pay coaches really well so that they can be happy and I can be happy and the members can be happy and that way it's the best hour of everybody's day
1: so well I mean if you put the coaches first the coaches will take care of the members listen man
0: that's that's part of being the best hour of everybody's day and I think that's the key so uh, I think big takeaway here guys is always be building a resume you know do your homework when you're applying for a job. Gym owners don't just feel like you're giving people a favor by letting them work for you. Like it should be beneficial for the employees. As We're well as like that's a mutually beneficial relationship. And uh, you know, keep pushing, make it the best power of people's days, and uh, you know, always work on that continued education. Jeremy, I appreciate your time, brother. This was fun. This was fun. I appreciate you. All right, brother. We uh, we will see you guys next yeah. time. And uh, if you guys need a job, look on barbelljobs.com. All right. See ya.
1: Thanks again for listening to best hour of their day. We hope you enjoyed this episode. And if you did one more time, please leave us a review on Apple Podcast and send us any feedback you have to at best hour of their day on Instagram and best hour of their day at gmail.com if you want to shoot us an email. We appreciate you. Thanks again. Have a great rest of your day.